Hello everyone, welcome to Memento the Stoics. My name is Santiago and today we have a very interesting interview with a guy that I met um, on Instagram. Like if you didn't know, I have this Instagram page where I post quotes using this episode and he has an account where he posts philosophy too with his own reflections. I'm a bit amazed of how, how I've met interesting people through Instagram. So give it a chance, like go check it out, go check out my, my account there and go check out Stoic Army's account. I also have an interview with Tobias Weaver, which is episode number eight. He also has a Instagram account under the name Orion Philosophy. So I think they're really cool. Like they have nice reflections on their stoic quotes. I tried to do the same with my account. So go check it out. Give it a follow. I'll leave everything in the show notes. But for now, I really hope you enjoy this interview. In case you're interested, we ended up having a bit of a casual conversation after the interview ended. So that is some exclusive content that you can get following the steps on the description or wait for the end of the episode where I describe how you can get it very easily. But for now, without further ado, enjoy the interview. So here we are uh, with Stoic Army. I want to just give him a chance to introduce himself a little bit and we can jump straight into the interview. So how are you, man? Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. It's a beautiful day here in Miami, Florida. And I'm excited to connect with like-minded individuals and speak a little bit about a strong philosophy that the world needs more of. Perfect. Love it. Uh, I just want to tell people a bit about how we met. Like we both have an Instagram account where we post like quotes from the Stoics. You post other philosophers as well, as I noticed. Can you just tell us a bit about like what is your account like? What do you do there? Yes, yeah, so I've always been inspired by Stoicism as more than any other philosophy. And I like to post classic quotes from the Stoics, but I also like to uh, identify where it appears in other successful people throughout history. Because I think that we always just uh, say that there's only like five or six Stoics that ever existed. But a lot of people exemplify the principles of Stoicism, whether they know it or not. And I like to point that out to people. Right. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Like, it's everywhere. Um, first, I, I just want to ask you, like, a bit, like, why is Stoicism important to you? It's important to me because I think that it is, if we could line up all the different types of philosophies, like Epicureanism, Nihilism, mm -hmm. I think that Stoicism is the strongest one. You know, I know we live in a world where, and then everybody wants everything to be subjective. Everybody wants everything to be equal. But mm. there are objective truths in life, you know? And right. if there has to be things that are better than others, or else how could we progress or grow in anything? So I find Stoicism to be the best philosophy because it's the most practical, because it teaches you how to deal with the tough things that happen in life. And mm. life is tough. It's tough because it's every single day. So... To me, Stoicism has always been just the most practical philosophy to, uh, to follow because it's all about just focusing on what you can control and focusing on staying disciplined and staying focused and staying on the path. So that's why I've always been interested in it the most. Right. No, that's super interesting because it, seem, it seems sometimes like other philosophies or other ways of thinking are on what you just said of making everything subjective. And that is sometimes a problem. It, it's more often than not the truth somehow. 
but it becomes a problem when everything is so broad that you're not focused on anything really. So I agree with that. Yeah, you know, you can, we can highlight every different mode of being that you want, but at the end of the day, you have to pick one right. to actually apply to your life. You know, you can't spend your life in theory all the time. You have to spend your life in action. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick this way to be, and this is what I'm rolling with. Nice, love it. So how do you think people uh, in this modern life, in this modern world, how can they apply stoicism? Well, really, a lot of the, one of the first things people, I, I think people need to start doing is really just focusing on what they can and can't control. Right. You know, uh, especially nowadays with, the amount of information that we're taking in, you know, it seems like everybody's in a reactionary state and everybody is focusing on things outside of themselves instead of focusing on themselves. And to me, that isn't a practical way for living because people let other people or other ideas live in their brain rent free. You know, it's actually, it's actually not even like letting it live in your brain rent free. It's like paying uh, <laughs> people to live in your brain because when other I when problems that don't involve you and issues that don't involve you are stuck in your brain, you're actually spending time, energy, and emotion on those things. Right. You know, so I think one of the first things is really just I would like to see more people just getting back to focusing on themselves and what they can do. And there's a real danger in focusing on things that you can't control because you will wake up every day feeling bad and not wondering why. It's because your subconscious recognizes all the things that you sense as negative. And when you don't take action on those things, it's going to register that, that you're not living in truth. And so people wake up uh, every day feeling unhappy, not knowing why. It's because they have all these, you have your normal life problems that you already have to deal with. And then you're taking in all these problems from other people and from the world. And you're not dealing with those as well. And it just makes for a, it makes it really hard to be fulfilled and really hard to live like purposely right. so i think that's really the the first thing and then also you know just understanding that the things that we think bring us pleasure mm -hmm. generally end up bringing us pain and the things that we think bring us pain end up actually bringing us pleasure and to expound upon that a bit i'd say like for example like we think that eating whatever we want, sleeping all the time, um, partying, all these other things. We think these things are pleasurable, but if you do them enough, those are definitely the things that will end up causing pain in your life. They'll cause you to have low energy. They'll cause you to lose focus. They'll cause you to get out of shape and, and feel bad. But if you do the things that are painful, like getting up early, uh, reading every day, hmm. uh, working out, having the difficult conversations, uh, staying disciplined, staying on a schedule. Those are the things that actually end up bringing you pleasure in life. Right. You know, and that's what I love about stoicism because it focuses on you doing the hard things because the, the hard things is where, is where the growth is and where the fulfillment is. And, and, and that's where you get true happiness. You don't get happiness from things, you know, right. you, you get happiness from, from, I feel like you get the most happiness from growing, from being able to look back in the past and, and look at the things that you've been through and look at the times that you push yourself and overcame challenges. Definitely. Uh, you just mentioned like a few very important aspects of stoicism, which I think 
dichotomy of control, as you mentioned, and voluntary discomfort. Like, we'll dig deep into these ones. But for now, what do you think is stoicism? How would you explain it to someone who just got familiarized with the, with the term? How would you describe it? Uh, I would describe it as living in the moment, focusing on what you can control, and living to a set of virtues that you uphold daily. Right. If, if I could explain it shortly, that would yes. be the way that I explain it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very, like, you know, these kind of things that even Einstein said, like, you, you know something better when you can explain it in simple terms. And I think that's a very concrete way to, to put it. So I like, I like that. Yeah. Um, what would you think is like the, if you would have to pick one, what do you think is the single most important aspect of a stoicism? If I would have to pick one, I think it's focusing on the discipline. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, your life is your habits. Right. Your life are the things that you do every single day. So literally, discipline is like the bridge between your goals and accomplishment. Hmm. It's which the, the, the being able to make yourself, life is really this. It's like, can you make yourself do the things that you want to do? And can you stop yourself from doing the things you don't want to do? Right. Is that whole Fair? thing? Yeah, to, that's, that's to, perfect. To uh, put it very simply, and that comes down to being disciplined. Can you make the right decisions? Right, constantly. And, and can you stop making the wrong decisions? Right. That thing you said about abstaining from what we call pleasure, but I found that very... Very interesting how you said sometimes the pleasures are the pains and the pains are the pleasures. Um, I would. Oh I would, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, sorry, sorry. See, I, for I instance, would, like I would relate I, that to voluntary discomfort. Uh, can you expand a bit on that? Just carry on. Sorry, man. Yeah. So what I yeah. So like a good example of like how you think something's pleasurable but it isn't is like say for instance like if you've ever I know I've done this right. is if you've ever like taken the weekend and just laid around all weekend and did nothing. When you're working throughout the week, it seems like that's what you want to do. And you may do it and you may enjoy it in the moment, but no one ever does that and then feels good on Monday. <laughs> right. right? Like laying around, like sleeping all the time doesn't actually make you feel more rested. <laughs> you know, and that's just like a small uh, microcosm of, um, of what I'm saying when I says the things that bring you pleasure actually bring you pain. But as far as involuntary discomfort, I, I think that like actually one of the best, the best thing you can do in life is volunteer to be uncomfortable. Right. Because at the end of the day, like when you're, things are going to happen to you in life. Definitely. Always. Like th that, that is just a fact. So when you constantly do things that you don't want to do, you're putting yourself in a space to be prepared for the, the problems and the trials that are going to come in life. And that's a big part of what I, what I believe in as a person mm -hmm. is constantly pushing myself. Like if it's raining outside, like that's when I'm going to go running. Hmm. You know, I actually um, heard a quote from, from David Goggins. He's a person I like to listen to. Right. And he was talking about like people, he, this guy does like ultra marathons and he runs like 50 miles and, and he hates running. <laughs> 
and he hates it, you know, and that's <laughs> why he does it. Right. And people, people ask him, they're like, why do you push yourself through so much pain and all these things you don't want to do? And he said, because when I get that call one day that someone tells me my mom is dead right. and I have all my family members looking around up to me, I'm not going to break down. Right. You know, because life is going to force you to be strong. It's, well, it's not going to force you to be strong. It's going to force you to make a decision. You can either be weak and be broken by it, or you can decide to be strong. And so involuntary discomfort is perfect because it prepares you for those moments. And in an age where we're so focused on what we can have, if you can learn to live below your means and learn to live and survive with less than others, then you have a massive advantage. Because most human beings these days, well, human beings in general throughout history generally seek comfort. Right. We're, we're designed to seek safety and security. So if you're the person that's constantly seeking discomfort and making yourself uncomfortable, that's like a superpower these days. Huh. Wow. That's great. There, there's this quote. I even saw you, you quoting it on your account, which is Michael Aurelius. Uh, quote, it can ruin your life only if it ruins your character. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Huh. I love that quote. It's amazing because it is, it is all within, like you say, and I like the way you put it, how you have an edge over other people or you have like this advantage if you learn how to be uncomfortable and find pleasure in that or find like the real meaning of it, how it makes you stronger. Right. And you know, the, like life is about endurance, man. The, right. the winner, the winner's often just the last person standing. Hmm. I love that. You know, and, and, and like we said that with that quote, you know, yeah. I want to expound, expound upon that one. It can ruin your life only if it ruins your character. And, and that goes even beyond just you. That goes into how people view you. Right. You know, you can't, you can't preach from a mountain that you haven't climbed. You know, so if you, oh, there's a lot of people that are, are want to influence people out there and that's great. I think everybody should be trying to help each other. But the thing is, is people don't listen with their ears. They listen with their eyes. So if you want to be a person that's held in high esteem, then you have to exemplify those virtues. You have to live what you say. Right. Wow. Because people will see right through it eventually because eventually your actions are going to show people exactly who you are. Huh. That's, that's you interesting. Know? I think there's a lot of people saying there are a certain thing, but then interactions, I, I think of celebrities. Celebrities are regarded as very important people or examples, but when they do these bad things or when they get in like big messes, you see the real attitude towards life. And that's hard. It's hard to follow as a society. We should follow the Senecas of our time, like the Marcus Aurelius, you know? Right. Like anybody can get on the internet and post motivational quotes. Right. But what is your life like? What do you do on a daily basis? Do you live it? I care more about the person that lives it. And that will be shown through the actions because at the end of the day, time tells all. Time will reveal what's true and what isn't, you know? So that's, that's very important to me. Yeah, I love that. Like you said this thing about people listen with their eyes. It's it's what they see. It's following this example of people. So I don't know for you, who who do you follow in these modern times? Who do you think is doing something great and is worth following? 
I, uh, I, I was in the military, so I tend to right. lean towards some guys like that. Uh, I like Jocko Willink. Okay. I like uh, David Goggins. I like um, Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger is a is a very underrated person. He's actually the business partner of Warren Buffett. Okay. So he's a good person to read from. Nice. Uh, those those are pretty much my main three that I like listening to nowadays. Even you know we have like the Tim Ferrisses, yeah. the Ryan Holidays, who are a little bit more mainstream. Right. That everybody's really on already. Right. So, but those are those are my those are my guys that I listen to nowadays. Any any books from them that you you can recall right now? Uh, Charlie Munger, Poor Charlie's Almanac. Okay. Is it's basically a collection of all the speeches and interviews that he's done, and that's a very that's a very good book. Um, I like I got Jocko Willink's book. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head. Um, and then I like uh, Tim Ferriss has the book about stoicism, right? Where he breaks it down. I know Ryan Holiday has a couple. The, The, the names of them are slipping slipping my mind right now. Yeah, Ryan Holiday has ego is the enemy and obstacle is the way. I yeah, I've read ego is the enemy, yeah. and then I I know he, he had the either him or Tim Ferriss did like the daily stoicism. Right. And I, I listened to that on audiobook, so that's yeah. why I can't <laughs> that's why I can't figure, remember who <laughs> who's, too, who who yeah. uh, wrote it because it wasn't either of them speaking. So. <laughs> right. I get you. I get you. <laughs> No, but that's good. So I think there's a lot of information everywhere. Like nowadays, like there's no excuse not to learn, you know, like everyone has access to learn somehow. You just need internet connection with these days. Yes, we do have access, but we're not taking advantage of it Definitely. Uh, fully. That, there's a reason why it's called the information age and not the knowledge age. Hmm. Can you expand a bit on it? I don't know. I don't know it too well. Okay. So it, we're, we're, Well, the time we're living in is known as the information age because of the internet. Okay. And I say it's known as the information age and not known as the knowledge age because even though we have all the information available, right. it's not necessarily that people are becoming more knowledgeable. Right. Huh. No one's taking advantage of it. Like no one's really, you have to really understand that you have all the information, all the known information, public information and human history at your fingertips. Definitely. Wow. You know, and, and we're not taking, most people aren't taking advantage of that on a daily basis. You know, like when people say you should learn something every single day, right. it's never been, it's never been easy. It's never that. been easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, this is such, it's so wild to me because, you know, knowledge and skill, they used to be protected. You used to have to be invited, like, say, like if you lived in ancient Egypt, like you couldn't just become an architecture. Or an architect, you couldn't just join the architecture right. school, and the reason for that is because skill and knowledge gives you power. Hmm. So, if you look at like the Stoics, if you look at uh, ancient history, knowledge was always protected because the people in it knew that it gave them power over others. Right. They so you had to either be in the circle or do something spectacular to be able to be invited in to learn. Huh. Right, because like the information was secluded, it was private, right? It was private. 
because it gives you a power over others. It's like what it was what was able to separate you from just being a regular person that has to do the grunt work, you know? Right. So I, I think it's very important. Like I, that's why people have to skill up and, and, and get their knowledge up because I mean, it's actually open to everyone now. Right. And since sometimes when things are so available, we, we stop appreciating. Taking it for granted. Definitely. We take it. Exactly. Take it for granted. So, you know, yeah, we, it's that, and that's what I mean. So we're in the, inform, the information age, but not, not the age of knowledge because, you know, not mm -hmm. many people are taking full advantage of everything that we literally have at our fingertips and knowledge and skill are the things that are going to allow you to elevate in life. Right. No, that, that's a very interesting comparison because you're saying these two things, like we have all the access to it, but not of not everyone's using it, even if it's that close and that easy to, to grasp, right? But I, I wanted to ask you, like, um, you personally, how did you get across Stoicism? Like, what got you into it? I've always been an avid reader. Right. Um, and I've always been up and down. I've had good times. I've had bad times. I've been in, I've been in sunny places. I've been in dark places, and just across my reading, eventually I started to get into history. Once I started getting into history, that's when I started to come across Stoicism. I think I started reading about Stoicism about six or seven years ago when I came back from Iraq. Right. And you know I was in a pretty dark place for almost a year. Right. Until I started breaking out by reading, and then I started. Um, I, I got put on the stoicism and I just, I just loved it. I, it, it exemplified, it, it, it made me be tough. And you know, I had been in so many tough places in life and tough positions that it resonated with me. Right. It's, you know, it basically, basically told me to just, you know, in the sense, suck it up, suck it up first right. and then move on. And, you know, I think that's, um, that's another important principle is that we don't contrast our lives versus other people's lives enough. Now, I don't mean compare. Right. I don't mean compare is to see like who's better. No, but you have to realize that whatever you're going through in life, number one, someone's probably been through it already and overcome it. Right. Number two, for sure, someone's been through worse and someone's <laughs> going through worse right now. Definitely. You know, so getting onto that vibration, that stoicism vibration and mindset allow me to step out of myself and stop being the center of the universe. Right. Wow. And, Sorry. Uh, was there, uh, you said, you said you've been like familiar with the stoicism seven or eight years. Uh, was this by the time you went to war or did you discover after it? How, how after. how, after, so how did it change you? Like, can you compare yourself with how you used to be, especially in a tough situation like that? Well, you know, when I came back, I was very depressed right. and, I was like sleeping around all day, eating whatever I got. I was using a lot of alcohol. Um, and basically, like, I just accepted that I was unhappy, accepted that I was lazy, accepted that I couldn't do all these things. But, you know, I think sometimes I use like a lot of people use the word like uh, we use depression as kind of like this unmovable thing that we don't have any control over. Right you know, or being sad or feeling bad. And it's like, I question anybody that says they're down, like, okay, don't tell me you feel sad. Don't tell me you're depressed. Let me know this. Did you drink water today? 
Have you learned something new? Did you go outside? Did you exercise? Did you communicate with family and friends? Like, did you, there's a whole list of things like happiness and and uh, fulfillment doesn't just happen. Hmm. Like, it's it's an act. Like, there are things that you do that raise your mood and raise your mindset and make you feel better about yourself. If you're doing negative things, you're not going to have a positive self-image. <laughs> if you're not solving your problems, right. like if, if you know you need to change your relationship, if you know you need to get healthy, if you know that you need to get out more and, and meet more people and you're not doing those things, how can you expect to feel good about yourself or feel good about life? Wow. It's, it's the sense of entitlement. Everyone seems to think that they deserve this happiness. But like you say, it's not for free. You need to put in the work. It, it, does, it, yeah. it doesn't just happen. The pursuit right. of happiness is new. <laughs> okay? Like 3,000 years ago, if you were born as a certain type of person, that's what you were for the rest of your life. Right. right. There wasn't any choice. Like this whole pursuit of happiness and upward mobility in life, it's new. And we need to understand that, you know, like the fact that we're worried about how we feel usually means that our basic needs are met. Right. Like that means you probably have food, water and shelter. If you have time to worry about how you feel, <laughs> wow. you know, and we, yeah. we don't we don't recognize that, you know, like there's people in the world that woke up today that are literally trying to figure out if they're going to be able to get water to them. Right. That's just a drink. That's not even a bathe or do any of these luxury things that we do. Right. There's people that don't know if they're going to eat. And if you live in a first world country, which I assume most people listening to this do, it's very hard for you to like starve to death. Right. Like that doesn't really happen in first world countries too often. So like, I think we, we tend to forget that like, the fact that we can focus on how we feel means that we've reached a level of sustainability in life already, like a baseline. And that's why I think Stoicism is, is so dope because it teaches you about being able to live off the bare minimums and then work up from there. Hmm. Wow. That, that's very interesting. Like, like all of this that you said about the first world country and everything, it seems like people complain about small things. Like I recently moved to, to the UK, like I'm living in England. But I was born in Ecuador, which is a third world country. But even then, there's a, a lot of distinction. Like I wasn't part of like the like there's a big amount of poverty there. And I was always lucky to not have to worry about like waking up in, in a bed or for these kind of things. But a lot of people in the world actually suffer those things. So it's important to have this, like Marco says, the view from above to see how big your problem actually is in the big scheme of things compared to people who actually struggle with big problems. Like what, what do you know about the view from above, above? How can you explain it? Well, the way I look at it is you need both, they call it a bird's eye view mm -hmm. and you need a worm's eye view. So you need to be able to, because a lot of people say you need to be able to just step back, but you also need to be able to look at some situations from close up at the same time. And I think it's the switching back and forth, stepping outside of yourself and right. looking because because you have to look to step outside of yourself and to see it from above allows you to see the solutions. But you have to get down in the dirt to actually solve the problems at the same time. Huh. Right. 
That's, that's very right? interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and especially, you know, because it's and then when you're looking at a bird's eye view, you're really um, deconstructing your beliefs and your perspective. But when you're dealing with other people, you have to look at it from the worm's eye view. You have to look at it from their perspective and see what they're seeing close up. So to operate in life, you need both. Right. You need to be able to view things from afar, especially when it concerns yourself. And you need to be able to view things from close up, especially when it concerns other people. Wow. No, that's that's great. Like, uh, is this is this sense of I like how the Stoics call it like people, us citizens of the universe. We're all part of this big community and we need to be humble enough to accept that we're not the most important and we also need to contribute to others. But all we can control is really ourselves. So how, like in your life, how do you go about your relationships? How do you try to improve other people? Well, I used to try to improve other people a lot. Right. But like I said, like I was talking on earlier, like the best way to teach is to be an example. Mm. Like you, I don't try to focus on how anybody feels about me or how anybody views me. Right. But I focus on the person I'm going to be. If it will, if you can do this, if you can be yourself and be true to yourself, then you're going to be a lot more successful with people. The reason being is because people tend to like you when you're like them or when you're aspirational, something, someone they look up to. And because so many people these days are afraid to be themselves, just by living in truth and honesty with yourself, most people will be impressed by that. Most people want that. Most people want to be able to be themselves and, and be honest with themselves and live in complete truth, even if they bury it or not. You know, and I'm very careful I used to like to give people a lot of instructions, but I'm very careful of what I expose people to. Because when you break someone's reality, like you're going to cause some sort of pain or discomfort in their life. Definitely. And I'm going to I'm, I'm going to explain this is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Because if someone's living a certain way and it's not right, like we, we like we said there's objective truths there are certain better ways for living and existing than others okay right. so if someone's living a way that will say quote unquote is not right and you want to improve them like you have to understand that if you break their reality and lead them into truth they're going to have to make two decisions one decision is either they're going to have to change okay change is not easy it's painful. It's a daily process. It's a struggle. And honestly, not everybody's always ready for it. Right. Okay. So they have to either make that decision to change. That's one form of pain. Number two, what they have to do is make the decision to ignore it and bury it. Now, we talked earlier about how your subconscious registers truth, whether you want it to or not. You can consciously, like if I tell you, hey, one plus one equals two, like you could try to consciously, consciously bury that and forget it, but subconscious recognizes truth. So if I break your reality by telling you, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and 
your subconscious registers it as truth, but you consciously deny it and you bury it, what's going to happen is your subconscious is going to operate when you're not operating. So like say when you're asleep, like people wake up every day and they'll be unhappy and it's like, why? And it's because your subconscious knows truth and knows things that you're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing it. So if someone's not ready to go through that pain of changing and they decide to bury the thing they need to do, like you end up indirectly causing them pain in another way through stress and through anxiety of being out of misalignment with truth. Right. And, And so every day they could be waking up feeling bad and it's like why like i used to give people a lot of health advice like Mm -hmm. people know to drink water people know they eat vegetables and things like that and work out every day if you keep right if you keep harping on them and they're not able to do it right every day that that's gonna resonate in the back of their mind and they're gonna look at themselves in the mirror and be like man you suck man you're lazy man you don't ever do anything because they know these things that they're supposed to be doing but they're not in the place to do it yet. Wow. So that's why I'm very careful on telling people things because if you break their conscious reality of the way they're living, they have to go through the pain of changing or they have to bury it. And that's a painful process as well. That's, yeah. Change is never easy. And I, I, I know what you mean when for me, like it's starting to discover stoicism like a less than a year ago. I've been trying to share it, you know, with family and stuff and people around me. But as you get a bit wiser, I mean, I I don't think I'm still there, but you have like learning about philosophy for so many years, you kind of get the grasp of understanding that change is hard and people are not going to accept it that easy, especially big things in life. Not everyone's willing to talk about the deep stuff of life. Right. Yeah. Not everybody's willing to it. Not, not everybody is. This is another thing. Not everybody's going to break free. Right. It's unfortunate. You know, it's not, I didn't wish it was that way, but you know, there are people that I love in my life that are never going to change. I know that, you know, they're set in their ways. Now I could keep bashing them over the head every day with information. It doesn't matter. They don't, (laughs) they don't care. Right. You know, like, so the only, the only method I, I can do is exemplifying things by myself. Like if I, and then the thing is, is when we want people to change, we end up getting more frustrated about them not changing than they do. <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. then we then we end up dictating, then we end up micromanaging. And it's like that doesn't work. So the only thing you can actually do is you have to you have to step back and people and be like, OK, you have to recognize your feelings for the person first. Mm-hmm. Like if I love this person then everything I need to do needs to be out of love for that person. So even if that means like, so, so the best way for you to make them to, to influence them is to just never get out of that state of love for that person. Wow. And anything you say or, or you do, because at the end of the day, if, if you really, really want to help people, like you have to be so consistent. Like, I don't even know if it's worth your, it might not be even worth your energy. Because at the end of the day, like if you still have things you need to deal with in life, like you need to focus on that. Like sometimes it's better. You're better for other people just by becoming a better person. Definitely. You know, that's why I think that 
personal growth is actually like for people that anybody listen to this that doesn't have a purpose in life or or doesn't know like what their life should be about like make personal growth the most important thing in your life because the better you are as a person mentally physically spiritually emotionally the better you are the better you're going to be at everything you do and the better you're going to be for other people wow and eventually that will lead you into the right place in life that's amazing man <laughs> very wise words i think i think it's all about understanding that self self-improvement like this wish to grow constantly is gonna make any aspect of life better is it's it's i mean it's obvious for people who are involved in it constantly but when you're outside of it like me i i think a few years ago i didn't understand what philosophy even meant and now i'm involved in it every day how do you think how do you think people can change that or how do you think i understand you're saying like we can change people would but what do you think is the process in one's brain to switch that into the understanding of philosophy's way to go always i think that a, a part of a part of it is you got to kind of first of all envision the person you want to be right you have to understand what kind of person you want to be and then you have to reverse engineer and deconstruct and figure out the things that you need to do every day to be that kind of person Like people really need to sit down and write. You need to get a list of virtues and values, mm-hmm. things that are important to you and that you want to live by. That's the first thing. Like if you don't know who you want to be or what kind of person you want to be or what uh, virtues and values are important in life, then it's just going to be hard because you're aiming at, you're not aiming at an actual target. You're just shooting in all directions. So you need a target to aim at and then you deconstruct and say, okay, What would I have to do every day to be that kind of person? Like for me, my life is very simple. Mm-hmm. Like I basically deconstructed my life into a handful of habits. I know that if I read every day for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. write every day, journal, right? If I meditate, if I set goals every day and work on those goals every day, just those five things alone, I'm going to be successful in life and get to where I want to be. Right. All just by staying just by staying consistent with those habits. Right. You know, so I think that's what people have to do if they really want to make a change. It's like you got to figure out who who you want to, what kind of person you want to be, not necessarily what you want to do. Because I think everybody gets caught up in what they want to do and like mm-hmm. some sort of occupation, right. not realizing that like You're a human being. You have multiple roles in life. Right. You're not just your job title. Definitely. You know, like you could be a father, a, a daughter, a cousin. You're you're so many different things. You know, you you like to be honest. Humans are everybody's an artist. Everybody's an author. Everybody's so there's so many different things that we all are. So don't always focus on just like what you want to do. Focus on what kind of person you want to be. Do you want to be a person of integrity? Do you want to be a person who adds value to others? Do you want to be a person that's disciplined? Do you want to be a person that's exemplary? You know, like figure out those things first and then make a plan that deconstruct it and make a plan of things that you can do every single day that will lead you into that person. And you know, maybe that plan will change one day. Maybe 
maybe uh, you'll get to a certain point where you need where you've accomplished that view of yourself and you need to aim even higher now. Right. You know, and then you say, okay, all right, you take a stopping point, you say, okay, what kind of person do I want to be in from here on? And then you deconstruct it again and be like, okay, what do I have to do every single day to be that way? It's all about the habits. I, I, I really like that. It's, yeah, it's making a choice, deciding to be better constantly. And I think stoicism provides the tools, definitely. And you mentioned meditation and journaling. I, I also do like a stoic diary every morning and every evening. Uh, would you would you mind uh, sharing a bit of what what is it that you do on your on your journaling? Okay, so I have a few different ways of journaling. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, if anybody's starting with journaling or doesn't write at all, one of the first things I would suggest is just doing a mind dump every day. Right. And what that is is when you wake up in the morning, just write for like ten minutes. Don't even think about what you're writing. Right? Like whatever thought pops into your head, get it out. It could be, oh man, I'm tired today. Oh, I got to pick up the groceries. Just let it go. Right. Okay? Get used into just clearing because we have so much in our brains all the time, especially with like the internet and social media and like we just have, you have to get all that stuff out first. Yeah. You know, so one of the, so sometimes maybe for like a month or two, if like I've been having, if I've been having like uh, a lot of things going on, like sometimes I'll just mind dump and just get things out. Another thing is just like uh, another way I'll journal is I'll, I'll answer tough questions. I'll ask myself difficult questions. Right. You know, like, what have you learned in the past three months? What's the most important lessons? And then I'll journal on that. Or, you know, or, or I'll pick a situation that I've been in and ask myself questions about it. Or I'll pick like a, say like, a, remember I said come up with like a list of virtues and values, right? Say like integrity is one of my values. So maybe one day when I journal, I'll ask myself, what does having integrity mean to you? What does it look like? Right. So, so you make your own questions. You, you choose the questions and you bury it. I, I choose my own questions. I ask myself questions because questions are the answers. Like questions right. are how we have every single piece of knowledge that there is. Right. By being curious. Right. You know, we, we all you lose our curiosity. You know, uh, I think... Neil deGrasse Tyson said that mm -hmm. all children are scientists. Hmm. Everybody's born a scientist, whether you, whether you think it or not. Because if you look at a child, what are they always doing? They're always picking things up, slamming it, putting it in their mouth, see if it's edible. They're testing everything. They ask you, the, children always ask you, why, why, what's this, what's that? Because they're curious and they want to know. And like the thing is, is that we stop being curious. Like as we get older, especially especially nowadays, because we have all this information at, at our fingertips, we assume we know the answers because we have access to them. Right. Wow. So we don't even ask questions anymore on a daily basis because at the end of the day, we know in the back of our mind, if we really want to know, we could just Google something. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I try to keep myself in a constant state of asking questions and checking in with myself. Like, what are you thinking? Like what do you feel right now? Like, where do you feel tension in your body? Are you, are you sitting down? What's your environment like? Like, how many lights are there in the room? What colors do you see? You know, constantly just checking in so that I never lose that curiosity state. So I'm in a constant, um, constantly looking for more and more answers in life and more answers to things and more understanding. 
Right. So keeping yourself curious, asking yourself questions, these things. Ask yourself questions. And because once you, when you answer them, you, you, def, you start to define everything. You start to define yourself and, and, and your character and who you want to be and who you are. You know, and like, especially, especially if you have negative views of yourself. Right. Like if you have a negative view of yourself, like ask yourself about that. Like, hmm, why do I think that? When did I start thinking this? Is this something that someone else said to me? What are the reasons that this is true? What are the reasons that it isn't true? You have to have philosophical discourse with yourself. And that's what all these philosophers are. They, they ask questions. Right. Constantly, right? It's all the time. And I wanted to ask you, like, I think that's a great way to start journaling. Like, first you said, uh, just putting everything that is out there. Uh, how do you approach meditation? What is, what is the way you do it? There's a lot of ways to meditate. I like to focus on my breathing. Right. I like to focus on my breathing. Um, sometimes I just count my breath patterns and you can look up all sorts of different breath patterns online and the internet. And like, there's so many different tempos you can follow. Right. I like to focus on my breathing. I either focus on my breathing or I focus on clearing my mind. Or another way I'll meditate is I'll focus on aspirational things and try to envision myself achieving those things and try to make the emotions that I feel from the achievement arise within myself. Wow. That's good. Because if you can feel it, then you're creating some sort of emotional, mental and muscle memory towards that, towards that, um, that aspiration. Right. So, so if you can feel the success and the, in, in life that you want first. You envision So that's your, yeah, yeah. right. You envision it, but you need to get, it's more than just like, you got to envision it. You got to, because a lot of us can see it, mm -hmm. but you really have to step inside it and be like, hmm, like, okay, if this happened, like, how would I feel? How would I walk? You know, how would my conversations be with people? What would my daily thoughts be like? Like really ask yourself a lot of questions. And so that you can really raise your emotional state to mimic how you will be in that moment. And, and one way that you can um, harness those feel-good emotions and try to get a, a, a grip on it is to meditate on times where you have felt good. Meditate on times where you have achieved things that you wanted or, or made breakthroughs, you know, and then make those emotions arise again as well. Right. That's good. I think the Stoics would add to that. Like, I think it's it's amazing the way you actually put yourself there and you feel it. I think the Stoics would add negative visualization a bit on that. Like, how, if things go wrong, how could I approach it and how can I realize that it's not the end of the world, right? Right. Because, yes, exactly. And this is actually, I didn't make this point yet. This is something that I want to talk about is how... Mm -hmm. You don't just need optimism in life. You need pessimism as well. And this is something that is very often missed because people read a book like The Secret or something that talks yeah, about exactly. the law of attraction. Right. And like, and like everybody thinks you could just positive think your way through yeah. everything. But I've never seen anybody come up to a traffic intersection and positive think their way across the road. <laughs> really? you, look, you look both ways first, okay? <laughs> That's called pessimism. Right. Okay. Pessimism doesn't have to be a bad thing. <laughs> right. Okay. Like you need to, 
You need to set goals with optimism, but take action with pessimism. Like you need to believe in yourself, but you need to be honest and understand what can go wrong and if things are going wrong. Right. It's constant. And yeah, it has it, to be like part of this meditation. Right. It's, it's constant. And you know, that's a part of the meditation. I don't like to meditate on negative feelings just because I'm trying to get into an emotional state. Mm. But I am always asking questions of like, okay, like first of all, it's, I think that it's not even negativity, it's honesty. Right. It's honesty. It's, it's figuring out like what is the actual truth. Like I can't positive think my way into being LeBron James. Like I'm not going to be a professional basketball player no matter how optimistic I am. <laughs> right. You know? And so like you have to have some honesty or a quote unquote pessimism with yourself to understand what are the right things to pursue and what aren't the right things to pursue. Or to understand when things that you're doing aren't actually working. Right. Like you may say like, oh, I want to read every day, but you only end up reading at like 11.30 p.m. You end up reading like a couple pages right before you go to sleep and you don't really absorb anything. And you do that for like a couple months. You need to realize like, oh, like for me to actually get more benefit out of this, I might need to move it to, the, to a time where I'm more ready to take on information. Right. Yeah, it's constant. You know? It has to be constant. It's constant. And so... Yeah, you know, that's and that's another big principle I've learned from stoicism. It's just that, like, Definitely. you can't always just, you have to look at both sides of the coin. Like, there's, like, been yin-yang for a long time for a reason. Right. You know, there's some there's some bad in the good and there's some good in the bad. Huh. That's great. That's and, great. Yeah. And, and everything works together. So you have to be able to look at both sides of the coin exactly. at all times. Love it, man. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, all these concepts like so i would say that you're very focused on the dichotomy of control like that seems to be i mean for the stoics and for for us who is trying are trying to follow in his steps like i think that's one of the most important voluntary discomfort as you said negative visualization who who, who is your favorite stoic of the ancient one like who do you think embodies these concepts the best seneca is my favorite right why is that well First, because he just like he used to write these savage letters that nice. like <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like I just love the way he used to <laughs> talk to people. It was very matter of fact, and like he was very bold in everything that he said. Really? Um, my favorite work by him, the, the one that I like the most, is Seneca on the Shortness of Life. Yeah, definitely, it's amazing. And I, that's because I think I like him the most because one of the things I always struggled with was procrastination. Right. You know, and so Seneca on the shortness of life really stuck out to me because he just really focused on, you know, like the, the I think the mo maybe the most memorable quote or one of the most memorable quotes in there is he's like, you have to match time swiftness with your speed and using it. Wow. And that meant so much to me because it's like time is really all you have and it's going to go whether you want it or not. Right. Like I've, I've woken up before and looked in the mirror and two years have gone by and I didn't have any account of my life. Yeah. Well. I don't want to feel that. You know, that's the worst. That's, that's the thing that keeps me up at night is like waking up 10 years from now and looking in the mirror, not knowing what you did in the last 10 years or, or, or like being basically in the same exact place as you were, mm. right. you know, because that time is going to run 
whether you want it or not. And there's another quote that he said in there that really stuck to me. And he was like, we lose the day in waiting for the night and we lose the night in fearing the dawn. Wow. And that just meant so much to me because what he's basically saying there is that we're like, especially nowadays, like where people are working nine to fives and things like that, mm -hmm. like we're just trying to get through the day to get to the nighttime, huh. right? We're just trying to like, we're not, we're not really, we're just trying to make it and survive until uh, your favorite TV shows on or your favorite sports teams playing or till you get off work right? or till you can go on that date or something like we're waiting for that. And then all night long, we're just dreading having to get up in the morning. Wow. And then we just end up going and doing the same thing all over again. Yeah. It's like complete autopilot. And then years go by and then you don't, everything's the same and, and you're a little, except you're a little bit worse because at the end of the day, nothing in life is static. Right. Okay. Nothing stays still. Like even like solid objects that you see, obviously at a microscopic level, they're vibrating mm -hmm. and moving. And so like, I think this is a big mistake that people make. It's like, you have to understand that the progress you make, you don't get to keep unless you keep making progress. Well, right. Like you don't, there's no stopping point in life. Like if you, if you, if you learn, like, and I've actually been through this before, you could read all the philosophy and get really enlightened. And if you stop for a year and stop putting those kind of thoughts in your brain, you're going to become less and less enlightened. Right. Like that thing is going to drift from your mind. You're going to go into, you're going to be the information, the things you're going to be the information you absorb every day and the things that you do every day. So like, that's another, that's one area that I think people really mess up is that like, they think that there's this stopping point. Mm. Like, Oh, like I worked out for two weeks. Well, okay. If you don't work out for the next two weeks, you're probably going to lose everything you did the last two weeks. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? You have to keep going. They, they, there's no stopping because at the end of the day, the, this is another quote I like, which is entropy is not on your side, right. which is like a law of thermodynamics. It's right, basically right. like every, everything's breaking down. You're getting older, you know? And that's why I also like um, being the best version of yourself as the most, as the best goal in life, mm -hmm. because you want to have a goal in life that's basically unattainable. Constant. Yeah. That way you have something to always work for. Exactly. Process oriented. Process oriented. Like that. And that's why I'm so all about that because like, yeah, like it's easy for me to work out and be in shape now, but when I'm 50 and 60, I'm trying to slow the aging process. Everything's going to get more difficult at, at some point. So like, I, I love that as being an overarching goal. Like, um, people have too many. I don't actually don't even like goals right. and I, I don't even like goals. I mean, because sometimes they're a stopping point where you get there and then you don't know what to do next. Right. You know, I set them, but I'm always setting them so I can set the next one. But like, I like to have goals that are just overarching. Like one of my friends, um, wants to feed a lot of children like and that's what he cares about right and so like his mission statement his goal is to provide food for as many kids as possible right 
that that's something he can never achieve. <laughs> right. But because he can never achieve it, he can work towards it every single mm, That was really good. Right. Yeah. No, man, like that's amazing. I, I I really appreciate all of this knowledge you're sharing here. I have one final question, if that's okay. I want to thank okay. you for all your time. Yeah. No, yeah, I love it. Thank you, man. Uh, there's, I've been trying to ask this in the past interviews I've done, and, and people have come up with interesting answers, so I really want to know what you think about it. So it is, if you could ask one question to one of the ancient Stoics, what would you ask? ask one question to the ancient stoics what would i ask hmm. to one of them you have to choose one as well this is a good question are you stopping <laughs> me here <laughs> <laughs> take your time take your time okay mm -hmm. i would i would probably ask seneca mm -hmm. i would probably i'll probably ask him how do you evaluate the importance versus duty and personal ideals Right, because uh, for him, like a lot of people know, is he he was forced to commit suicide. Right, right. So I, I think I'd probably ask him, you know, how do you balance like for and for something that he probably didn't do, which was being accused as a part of an assassination plot. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably ask him because he's such a reasonable person that had um, so many different like obviously great philosophies, but at the end of the day, he would follow duty at the same time, mm -hmm. even though he may have thought that they were wrong. So I would ask him, how do you, how do you establish like in the, um, the balance between duty and ideals? Because like, like when we are talking about dealing with others, like mm -hmm. we may have ideals that we are certain of, but we also have a duty to people that we care about to treat them the right way and treat them with love and treat them with respect. Right. So how would you, how do you balance that of, I know I'm right and I know this is better for you, but I also have a duty to you to treat you a certain way. Perfect. Awesome. Definitely, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, just to end it up, uh, how can people find your work? Like the, the work you're doing on, on Instagram? Oh, right now? Mm-hmm. Right now, just at Stoic Army uh -huh. on Instagram. Uh, we've got a website coming and some other cool things. Perfect. But yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. Awesome, man. Let me know when you have the website. I'll, I'll link it in the, in the show notes and everything. Yes, sir. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's been an, hey, an awesome I, conversation. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I appreciate you doing this podcast. I, I, I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I'm excited about where you're going. Thank you so much, man. Okay. Awesome, man. Thanks. Have a good day. Awesome. Later. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested, we had a bit of a casual conversation after the interview ended. I asked something and then it turned out being like a 20-minute conversation. So it's a bit more explicit, uh, like a bit of the cold truths that some people don't like to hear sometimes. So if you don't get easily offended, I think you would really enjoy it. So to get that, all you need to do is write a review of this podcast in either iTunes podcast or wherever you write reviews for podcasts and send me a screenshot of that to my email mementothestoics at gmail.com and I'll reply with the file of the exclusive 20-minute talk that we had after this interview. So thank you so much for your support. I really hope you enjoyed it again and thank you for your time for listening and memento the stoics. <laughs>